You know my name, uh. bitch. Yes, sir. You already know what time it is. It's the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 75. to episode number 75 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I am your host. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. DeBron James. And we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaging with me on the social media platforms. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all of the love and all of the support I receive from y'all. Thank you to all the essential workers out there busting their ass still battling this COVID. And finally, thank you to all the people who are out here continuously using their voices to affect change in a positive way. We always, 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 always have to start the shows with the thank yous because the thank yous are very, very, very important. Please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com B-R-O-N-X-B-I-A-S-P-O-D.M-Y-S-H-O-P-I-F-Y.com bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com come check it out come fuck with me i got hoodies on there i've got t-shirts i've got tote bags i've got stickers and covid masks with much 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 more to come again i'm an independent potter from the bxmy and supporting the merch is a great way just to keep the show going the way that it is i understand that everyone's financial situations are different So I'm asking only if you can, 
please check out the website, possibly buy something on there. It'll be a great help to me and to keeping the show the way that it is. But with all of that being said, we are going to have a great, 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 great show today. Fully, fully, fully packed. And I am in an amazing mood. I'm in a tremendous mood and I am ready to go. So let's get it. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was an amazing, amazing, amazing song from an amazing artist. And it is called Beanie Mac Bitch by Beanie Siegel off of the album The Reason. And sometimes, you know, I gotta do I gotta do a little, I gotta do it up for the, the people, the kids who grew up when I grew up. For the old heads out here. And I'm not even old. But, you know, Podden is sort of a young medium. I think of it as the young person's radio. So, you know, a lot of young people tune into pods. When I was growing up, we listened to the radio. So, I, sometimes I got to play some songs. I got to play some some music that just lets you into when I was coming up as a kid. You know, you kids right now listening to, you know, 42 Doug and Polo G and Lil Baby and Dub Baby and, you know, all these new artists out here. Young artists, you young new artists, and that's what you should be listening to. But sometimes, you know, you got to have a blast from the past. You got to see where, you know, a lot of these dudes get their swag from. You know what I'm saying? How we was doing it. Back when we was wearing 4X t-shirts and jeans that was four times our size, okay? And hats, you know, size eight fitted and you was really a seven and a half size fitted. Like, I got to I gotta get you into that vibe. You know, you got to put on some Mecca when you're listening to this. You got to put on some Anichi, some Pepe jeans, you know what I'm saying? I got to put you in that vibe. So, I felt like Beanie was perfect for it. And Beanie Siegel, let me tell you, for the people out there who don't know about him, you know, he's an older guy now, so I would imagine that younger people don't know about him. One of the best with the bars ever, okay? This is when Rockefeller had the game on Smidash. Smidash, okay? Beanie Siegel from Philadelphia, one of the nicest with the bars, bro. One of the nicest. And if you guys are super hip-hop heads or if you guys are just young and don't really know about all that stuff, I suggest that you just go and look it up. You know, you got the internet available to you. There's a whole bunch of artists that fly under the radar because they were just a little bit before your generation. That is really worth listening to. Beanie Siegel is one of them. If you do not know, do your homework. That was just a little taste. But Beanie got bars on bars on bars. One of the best ever, in my opinion. One of the best ever. So I wanted to give him a little love. I wanted to give a little love to the old heads today. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not even old, but compared to the young people out here, I'm a dinosaur, okay? So I just wanted to give a little love to the old heads out there. If you're feeling it, if you're feeling like it today, go put on your favorite academics t-shirt, okay? Go <laughs> go go get you your 3X throwback basketball jersey and wear it backwards. Get your two-tone fitted cap. And restore the feeling like we used to do back in the day, okay? That was just for y'all. That was for y'all today. For all my old heads out there. Shout out to Beanie Siegel. Shout out to Rockefeller Records. And shout out to the good old days, man. Shout out to the good old days. Now it is time for my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the podcast. And it is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, 
Bronx Facts is the segment I like to do at the beginning of each show, just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So, without any further ado, your Bronx Fact for today is the Bronx Cooperative Development Initiative is a community-led planning and economic development organization based in the Bronx, New York. They describe themselves as a network of community and labor organizations, anchor institutions, and small businesses to build an equitable, sustainable, and democratic local economy that creates a shared wealth and ownership for low-income people of color. For more information on the initiative, you can visit the website, bcdi.nyc and that is your bronx fact for episode number 75 damn son where'd you find this all right all right we're getting right to the shits today our top topic this week is about the nasty man r kelly his trial and conviction. So I want to start this discussion by reading you guys an article from the New York Times. The headline for this story reads, After R. Kelly's conviction, can the music industry change? When a federal judge in Brooklyn on Monday convicted R. Kelly on racketeering and sex trafficking charges, it was immediately seen as a watershed. After decades of accusations of abuse, backed by dog reporting that gave voice to dozens of young women, Kelly, the R&B superstar behind hits like I Believe I Can Fly and Ignition, who had been acquitted of child pornography charges in a trial in 2008, was finally being held accountable. Kelly, 54, now faces the possibility of life in prison. But Kelly's conviction met a muted response in the music industry with scant public commentary by top artists and crickets among the companies that have released his music and continue to host it online. For the music world, the implicit question posed by Kelly's trial, widely seen as the most high-profile sex abuse case in the history's, in the industry's history, is whether the business itself can change. Can record companies, managers, Streaming services and radio stations cut abusers off from the spigot of fame and money rather than enable bad behavior by looking the other way. Some activists were cheered by the conviction and the trials focus on black women's testimony, seeing it as a tipping point that could encourage more victims to come forward and lead to financial or criminal consequences for abusers. Quote, this is the beginning of women being believed and taken seriously, said Dorothy Caravallo, a former record executive and the author of Anything for a Hit, an an A&R woman's story of surviving the music industry. Predatory behavior, just like Harvey Weinstein, will land you in a jail cell, Caravallo added. Others were worried that the relative silence among major artists and entertainment companies was a signal that Little would change without firm commitments to cast out and punish abusers. 
Kelly's conviction underscores the music industry's relative lack of impact from the hashtag MeToo movement, which swept Hollywood politics and the business world starting in 2017. While power entertainment brokers like Harvey Weinstein and Leslie Moonvest and government figures like Eric T. Schneiderman, the former attorney general of New York, tumble from lofty heights, the tidal wave of justice largely seemed to bypass pop music. And yet sexual relationships between male stars and young women are so common in pop music, it is as it's mythologized. Kelly's case is an extreme, and by charging him with running a criminal enterprise, prosecutors put a harsh focus on this side of the industry, the entourage and the business infrastructure that surrounded Kelly with assorted managers, handlers, and employees, helping him to procure young women and avoid consequences. To insiders and jaundiced observers, all of this seemed disturbingly familiar, the kind of thing that happens every day around innumerable male stars, a system that the industry shows little interest in dismantling. Quote, the music industry is soulless and immoral. Jim DeRogatis, a music journalist who has been chronicling the accusations against Kelly for more than 20 years, said in an interview, nothing comes before the do not derail the gravy train message. That's what it's all about. For years, Kelly, who has released 12 platinum albums, won three Grammys and collaborated with stars like Lady Gaga, Jay-Z and Chance the Rapper, stayed on a steady trajectory of fame and success before public opinion began to turn in 2017. That year, D. Rogatis published a series of investigative pieces in BuzzFeed News saying that Kelly had been holding young women in an abusive cult. And in 2019, the documentary series called Surviving R. Kelly by the filmmaker and activist Dream Hampton featured some stomach-turning first-hand accounts from numerous women. Around that time, Kelly was dropped by RCA, his record label, and the Universal Music Publishing Group, which controls his songwriting catalog. An online campaign called Hashtag Mute R. Kelly has been has been pressuring streaming services and record companies to punish Kelly and remove his music from circulation. But Kelly's music remains widely available. And even after his conviction, there are no signs that it will be taken down online. Digital services tend to also pass the buck to record companies that supply the music that they host. And so far, at least, Sony, which owns RCA, has taken no steps to dispose of Kelly's catalog or take it offline. Critics of the industry point to a long history in which abusers are tolerated and protected as long as they continue to produce hits. Even after being exposed for misdeeds, they can also be gradually welcomed back and they can also gradually welcome back once the heat is off. But to survivors and activists, the Kelly conviction itself may be a small victory, one that is one that will be worth celebrating only if it leads to further change. So two episodes ago, right, when I was talking about Kanye West and his album Donda, I was painting the picture over his last, let's say, five or six years and how, generally speaking, 
we give people we like and people who are extremely talented in all industries, in all businesses, in all walks of life, a lot of rope because we like them or because they're extremely talented. Kanye West has been jumping on stages since 2007, saying wild shit since 2005. And we really sort of looked the other way about it because he was making amazing amazing music and i'm not trying to compare kanye west to r kelly in any kind of way i'm just trying to say like when we like somebody when someone is extremely talented we tend to just say okay well they're they're a little crazy but or they're a little off the rails but because of what they offer us right when i was in the eighth grade i sung r kelly's music at my graduation the world's greatest was the name of the song. I sung it. And I, I'm sure at the time, people ha- had knew about his history of transgressions, sexual transgressions or abuse in the sexual manner or predatory, um, his predatory tendencies to young women. It, and it didn't matter because the song at the time was so great. It's so appropriate for a stepping up ceremony such as a graduation that organizers of the school, the principal, etc., didn't really care. And that's the point. That's kind of what the article touched on. These people who make amazing music or make amazing cultural contributions often get looked the other way. People in control of the business look the other way and consumers look the other way. The consumers because they receive a good product and the people in charge because they make a lot of money. It's just... Uh, unfortunate evil of the world the more talented you are the more willing we are to sort of bypass or not pay attention to your transgressions it's a uh a, a sort of uh take the good with the bad approach right if you're someone who works for sony or rca or universal the people who control his catalog you understand that he's been an abuser for a long time But when the Chocolate Factory album comes out and it goes double platinum, how much are you willing to to step on that money? How much are you willing to stop that cash flow? For producers, how much are you willing to stop that money coming in? For people who are his handlers, his managers, etc. How willing are you to stop that money coming in? Because you got to feed your family, right? You got to feed your family. And one hit record feeds a million families. That's the old adage. One hit record, one hit song feeds a million families. So it's sort of a question of your own morality, right? If you are someone who watched Surviving R. Kelly, and I did not because I just, I knew I couldn't handle that mentally. It's hard for me to watch things that are so heinous that I just can't, I don't want to take that and internalize it. I So I didn't watch it because I knew it was going to be chronicling some nasty ass shit. And as far as I know, R. Kelly was a victim of abuse. He was abused um, by his sister, I believe. Again, I'm not saying this as a statement of fact. I, this is just speculation. I believe he was abused as a young child by his older sister. And he had a, also he had a brother. And he was abused as well in the in the house. And so... You know, the old term is hurt people hurt people. And in that way, I'm not excusing him, but that is, I'm sure, it was part of chronicled in the Surviving R. Kelly documentary, along with all the accounts of women that he had, you know, taken advantage of or abused. And 
you know, R. Kelly is a very um, polarizing figure because it was no, it was sort of general knowledge that he was an abuser for as long as I can remember. I remember there was a Dave Chappelle skit, which was hilarious, where he impersonated R. Kelly and did the song I Want to Piss on You. He also did a great sketch about how black people defend other black people, no matter how heinous their crime is. So it's kind of he did it. He, he This is why Dave Chappelle is great. He did it in both ways. He made a joke of something that was extremely obvious. We knew that R. Kelly was doing heinous things with young people, with young women and young boys. But also he took the approach of saying, well, if you if you ask the average black person and you put them on a jury stand, would they, in a sense, turn in their their that that person who committed the offense because they were black? Would they turn him in? Right. Would they say, OK, this person is guilty? Would they do that? Right. And um, it's just it's, it's, it's kind of hard to like even put into words like his whole record of abuse. Like we all know the allegations with him and Aaliyah when Aaliyah was very young. We all know the alleged or not the alleged the child pornography tape where he urinated on the girl. We all know about other scenarios in which he had abused people and the quote unquote uh, cult that he had in Atlanta. So when we talk about people like R. Kelly, it's a matter of how many of us will put money before our morals. And that's easy for me to say because I'm not in this position, right? I'm not going to sit here and try to be on my high horse about it and say, how could you? How could you not stop him? Oh, my gosh. How could you? Because people, how often in this capitalist society that we live in, how many people are going to put money over their morals? How many or morals over their money, I should say, morals over their money? How many people are going to do that? Realistically speaking, idealistically, yes, you don't want anyone to be abused. You don't want to, you know, have situations where, you know, someone's taking advantage of somebody else, especially in a sexual manner with minors. But in the situations of these people who are involved with the R. Kelly situation, how many of them realistically are saying, well, I'm going to turn him in and sacrifice potential millions upon millions of dollars to make off his back? That's all I'm asking. I'm not defending his behavior in any way. I'm not agreeing with his behavior in any way. I'm not agreeing with the behaviors of the people who are surrounding him in any way. I'm trying to say, look at it in a realistic sense. The reason why he was able to do this for so long, like the article detailed, was because there's a notion in the business or in business in general, do not derail the gravy train. We're going to make as much money from you as possible. And R. Kelly has made numbers, so many hits. I can, I have them on the top of my head. He made I Wish, The World's Greatest, um, Fiesta, uh, 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 he had the collaboration album with Jay-Z. I believe he had two of them, Unfinished Business and The Best of Both Worlds. He had song The Chocolate Factory, Happy People, Step in the Name of Love. He had um, uh, uh, Bump and Grind, um, You Remind Me of My Jeep, um, a, a whole bunch of songs. Like He's been a hit maker, a songwriter for a long time. And it's like, well, what do you do now in this case? Hopefully, this is just a a, a a bigger 
social movement to say it doesn't matter how talented you are, if you do heinous crimes, that it will not be tolerated on any way. The Me Too movement is started of that. Harvey Weinstein's conviction was started of that. Bill Cosby, to some degree, was started of that. And hopefully all you can ask is that it will continue. But my whole thing about this is, is like, how many people, though, are going to give up the potential of making millions upon millions of dollars because someone is immoral? That's the question. It happened in football. It happens in football quite frequently or in sports. There was a guy named Greg Hardy, played for the Carolina Panthers. At the time, he was accused of abusing his girlfriend, throwing her onto a bed of guns, uh, and being very violent toward her, right? There has been instances like with the Ray Rice situation. How many... But I mean, Ray Rice's situation, he was ostracized from the league, but Greg Hardy was given a second chance, played for the Dallas Cowboys after that. And there's other, I believe there's a man named Chad Wheeler who uh, frequently abused his girlfriend. There was nothing brought to him, right? So it's just the question of how many people are really going to fight this, are really going to be super uh, involved in bringing justice to these accusers or to these abusers without worrying about how much money they'll lose in turn. Because unfortunately, money is the root of all evil. Cash rules everything around me. And niggas really will do anything for that dollar. It's just the truth of the matter. It's just the truth of the matter. Niggas is going to do anything for that dollar. And if that means enabling someone who is a sexual a sexual a deviant, then that is what will happen. It is already has happened. R. Kelly's been active in the music business since the early 90s. He's had over a 25-year career. It's just the truth. I'm not saying that nothing will ever change, but I'm saying if money is still the dominating factor and that controls everything in American society, how do we expect more people to hold these accusers accountable if they make the money? That's the que- that's the million dollar question for me. We want all these people off the streets. R. Kelly deserves to be underneath the jail. And how, somehow how he's remained Teflon for a lot of years is sort of unknown to me. But to ask the average Joe to sacrifice money that probably will uh, will create generational wealth for themselves and their families to choose morals over that how many people are going to do it that's the question that's the million dollar question so as as much as i'm glad to see r kelly go in situations like harvey weinstein harvey weinstein was a big movie producer for years how many movies have you watched that see that you saw the weinstein company over number Numerous movies, movies upon movies upon movies upon movies. How many people in that turn knew what he was doing and decided to say anything about it? Right? How many people? It's just now I believe that people are becoming more socially conscious, more aware, and more willing to stick their necks out. But I'm sure someone like Dream Hampton, who made Surviving R. Kelly two years ago, When that first came out, I'm sure she received so much hate, so much criticism for it from some people who don't want their money to get fucked up. 
and for other people who are really in it for the shits and giggles shits and giggles meaning we don't give a fuck we love the music you know there's a section of the population who believe that fuck it he made great music so my question and the question i'll leave for you guys is because i really don't want to spend too much on r kelly um i just wanted to really just share that story with you and my question my thoughts and questions about it so my question i'll post to you and i want to leave this open for dialogue i would like for you guys to hit me up and talk to me about it how many people do you think again because we're only speaking from we're outside of the situation we're not in the fire we're only speaking at from at, well i'm only speaking on it as an observer so it's easy for me to say oh i would never do that or i would be what i would could never tolerate that kind of behavior but the question that i want to pose to you guys and have dialogue about is how many people do you think who are involved in this music business who are involved in the entertainment industry are going to sacrifice millions upon millions of dollars life changing money to bring a to bring uh uh deviants to justice to bring breakers of the law to justice and fuck their money up that's the question that's the million dollar question that i have for you guys it's a beautiful thing that finally his years of abuse seem to have will come to an end but for the people who have allowed it to occur if you put yourself in their shoes how many people do you think will have the courage the strength to go out on a limb sacrifice money for not only themselves but for an entire system to bring these violators to justice and that's the question i want to ask for you guys but i do want to acknowledge the the good thing that r kelly is finally being brought to to justice his reign of terror is over and guess who's going to jail tonight And so moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is Rogers Neighborhood, the exact same, except there are no vowels in neighborhood on Twitter. And I'm saying this and repeating it for the one millionth time because I ask you guys weekly to send in comments, questions, concerns, constructive criticism, feedback, whatever you have for me. And you guys never let me down. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you guys' support. And so we're going to answer some of the questions that we have received here. The first question I have says, if life were like a video game, what would be some of the cheat codes to life? Well, that's an easy, easy, easy question for me. The ultimate cheat code to life is money. Money is the cheat code to life. If you thought about getting in a car that could drive itself, guess what you could get it for? A lot of money. If you thought about flying on the best planes ever created, staying in the best hotels, going to the most exotic countries, getting women, getting access, getting whatever you want, the key is money. Now, again, I believe that the old adage is money can't make you happy. I understand that and I believe it to some degree. But it certainly could bring you a lot of things that 
could distract you from your unhappiness. I will say that <laughs> it probably it probably won't make you happy, but I'm sure it will provide a lot of happy distractions. Let me tell you that money provides access and a and access to things that you could never even think about. Literally, literally, there are dudes who are so rich that they are launching themselves into outer space for no other reason than they can. You got Bezos, you got Elon Musk, you got Richard Branson. These dudes are literally launching themselves into outer space for no other reason. It's not for space exploration. It's not to explore the cosmos. It's literally because they can. Like, that is what I'm trying to say to you. If you thought about any cheat code in a video game, money in life is the ultimate cheat code. The ultimate cheat code. You you don't even think about the possibilities of like going to space. When you wake up, the last thing I'm sure on your mind is, let me just become an astronaut real quick. Just to say I did it. That is what I'm trying to say. Like the ultimate cheat code in life is money. The ultimate cheat code in life. Um, so, I, you know, maybe you were looking for a different answer. I don't know. I, you know, maybe you were looking for a more nuanced answer, but it's money because you, even if you think about like relationships and stuff, how many ugly dudes out here is out here with the finest chicks? It's not because of their great personalities. Nine times out of 10, it's because they got a whole bunch of money in their pocket, driving in a nice car, got a nice crib and could do whatever they want. That's just my opinion. That's my opinion. The ultimate cheat code to life is bread. Wu-Tang Clan taught you that in 1993. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get that money. Dollar, dollar bill, (laughs) y'all. Get that money. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all, okay? Lil Wayne said it too. All my seconds, minutes, and hours go to that almighty dollar, okay? So the ultimate cheat code to life is definitely money. Thank you for that question. The next question I have for you guys today says, what is your favorite old school video games of all time? Wow, now that's a good question. We did have a throwback intros for today. Old school video games. Man, I, I definitely can't narrow it down to just one. I have to give you at least five, at least five. Retro video games that were the best of all time. I want to start maybe, I'll start with, Super Mario Kart, the best, one of the best. You might even end up fighting somebody. Super Mario Kart used to get so intense back in the day that if, you know, somebody got you with that blue shell or if it hit you with that red shell right when you're about to cross the finish line or something, it might start a fight. Like, that's how deep Super Mario Kart used to get back in the day. Super Mario Kart is one of the greatest video games ever. Um, Super Mario Kart, Super Smash Brothers was great. I love that game. Uh, the Pokemon franchise, literally all of the games, Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, Pokemon Yellow, Pokemon Gold, Silver, Crystal, Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald, like all of the Pokemon Stadium, all of the old Pokemon games were like the best ever. Um, what else was great? NBA Street, Volume 2, the greatest sports game ever created and you can fight me on that there is no better sports video game than nba street volume 2 the greatest 
the greatest, greatest sports video game ever fucking made. NBA Street Volume 2, bro. The greatest sports video game ever created. And one more to make it five. One more. Um, I'll go with Madden 04. Madden 04 with Michael Vick on the cover. Talk about a cheat code. A cheat code. Michael Vick and Peerless Price for the Atlanta Falcons on Madden 2004, bro. Because Michael Vick had like 99 speed and Peerless Price had 95 speed. So all you, all I used to do was run like play action bootlegs and either just let Michael Vick run for touchdowns or throw the ball deep to Peerless Price because he was faster than everybody. That was one of the best cheat codes that you could do. And you didn't even have to have no... No, like, secret technique. Literally, all you needed to do was pick the Atlanta Falcons, let Michael Vick go crazy, and you, oh, man. Michael Vick on that video game was like the Warriors in, like, 2018 with Kevin Durant. Like, you could literally do whatever you wanted on the field with Michael Vick back in the day. That was one of the greatest video games, too, sports video games. Madden really fell off. Like, Madden from, I would say, from 04 to, like, 09 was, like, premium Madden in my opinion, but, like, after that, Madden just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, I won't even pick up Madden nowadays, like, Madden is trash now, facts, Madden is super trash, but, like, from 04 to, like, 09, that was, like, premium Madden, I don't know how many of you guys love football games like that, but, like, Madden is hella trash now, and they supposed to updated it with all the physics and it's supposed to be real-time animations and shit, but it's really trash, in my opinion. Shout out to the old school Madden, dog. That's when that's when Madden was Madden. In 04 through 09, I would say. That's when Madden was Madden. Because even like in Madden 08 and Madden 09, they changed it. They made it like arcade style. So they gave each player like special powers in a way. So if you had like Tom Brady, he was a smart quarterback. So after he had a light bulb icon under his player name, and when the light bulb filled up, he was able to read the offense's play. I mean, the defense's play. That was his ability. Yet other quarterbacks like Brett Favre, who was a cannon arm quarterback, which means they could throw the ball down the field the farthest, right? That was their special power. And then you had LaDainian Tomlinson, an elusive running back. He could break tackles with spin moves and hurdles and all that shit. That's when Madden was fun, man. Nowadays, I don't know. I don't mean to sound like an old man in my rocking chair, but today's Madden is terrible, bro. Madden is trash, super trash. And 2K is starting to get there too, yo. It's starting to get there too, like... Bring back NBA Street Volume 2 for the culture, bro. We got PS5s out here who could do so much shit. Why can't it play classic games? Bring back NBA Street Volume 2 and Madden, the good Madden, for the good old for the for the old heads out here, bro. Cause these new shits, these new sports games they're putting out is big time trash. Big, big trash. Big trash. But to recap, the best retro video games, in my opinion, Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart. Super Smash Brothers, the entire Pokemon franchise, NBA Street Volume 2, and Madden 04. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, guys, for the questions. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. I appreciate the love and the support. Um, none of this shit is possible without y'all. 
And I look forward to answering more and more and more and more and more of you guys' questions. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you guys once again. Next on the docket, I want to talk to you guys about Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons. So it was reported last week that Ben Simmons is done with the Philadelphia 76ers. He does not want to report to their training camp and alleges that he will never play basketball again unless he is traded away from the Philadelphia 76ers. So before I read you guys an article just detailing the stuff about it, there was a few episodes back, I don't remember which episode, but somebody asked me, who do I see myself rooting for in the NBA? Like, who do I see being my favorite players in the NBA once LeBron James retires? You know, because LeBron James is 36, I would imagine he's not going to play basketball for the next 10 years. I mean, he could, if anybody could, it would be LeBron. But I just, you know, it clearly, you know, LeBron is at the end of his career, not the beginning. So the question was asked, well, who do you see yourself rooting for? Like, who do you see yourself really like? Whose games do you really like? And stuff like that. So my answers were um, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, and Ben Simmons. And at the time, people were saying, asked me, you know, follow up, like, why do you why do you say Ben Simmons? Like, you know, like, why do you say that you like him? You know, clearly he's a very flawed player. And in my opinion, Ben Simmons is a 6'10", left-handed point guard who could get to the rim whenever the hell he wants, has amazing court vision, has amazing ball handling skills, and plays great defense. And I said it on that episode. I remember it. The only thing he needs is a mid-range jump shot and the ability to hit free throws. That's it. Like, once he figures that out, he's going to be one of the best players in the league. Like, that's just my opinion. Because guys who are that tall and that strong usually don't have all of those abilities. The reason why LeBron James is one of my favorite players is because he's a freaking defensive lineman. He's 260 pounds, six foot eight who runs like the wind, who can jump, who can block shots, play defense, pass the ball, has amazing basketball IQ, and he he improved that jump shot. He's just one of the most amazing all-around basketball players ever. That's why I like Luka Doncic so much. Luka Doncic can do everything on that offensive side of the ball. He can shoot. He can pass. Amazing basketball IQ. He can rebound. Like, those are the kinds of players I like. Now, again, like Jason Tatum is a score, bona fide score, and Devin Booker is a bona fide score. But like those are the kinds of guys I really like, the LeBron-esque type of players, guys who can just do everything on the basketball court, where you can put him in any situation and he can be successful because of his skill set. Guys like Devin Booker sort of need the ball in their hands or need guys who will get them open. But guys like Luka and like LeBron, do everything. They get each other. They get others open. They get themselves open. They run the court. They play defense. They do everything. So those are the kind of players in basketball that I like the most. So a guy like Ben Simmons, like, you know, clearly it was a confidence thing. His confidence was shattered. If you guys watched the NBA playoffs with them, the Philadelphia 76 and the Atlanta Hawks, you could tell that Ben just didn't want the ball. He didn't want to be put in a position to shoot. He didn't want that pressure. And that happens, you know, that happens. And then Philadelphia, you know, the sports fans in Philadelphia are really 
you know, they're serious. They don't play. If you don't play well, if you don't give effort, if they feel like you don't care, they're going to chew you up and spit you out. They're going to chew you up and spit you out. But they, if they see that you are somebody who really gives a fuck about the game, who wants to do their best, who even if they have flaws, they just want to keep trying to compete like they did with Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was a six foot zero, 160 pound shooting guard who couldn't play defense, okay, who was very small, but gave played with the biggest heart you would ever see out of any NBA player. And the people in Philadelphia loved that. He wasn't a perfect basketball player, but he was a player who gave maximum effort. You never felt like he was going to cheat you, and he was going to give you every single thing he had on the basketball court. And that's why so many people love Allen Iverson. I'm, I love Allen Iverson so much. He's one of my favorite players of all time because of that. He has so much heart. And I'm not trying to question Ben Simmons' heart because he's a. that's not something I can do. I don't play basketball. That's not my place. It just seems like the response to him is because he seems so nonchalant about it. We all knew Ben Simmons couldn't shoot the ball since 2017. He's been in the league for five years. He still hasn't developed a jump shot. What are you supposed to think about that? What are you supposed to think? You obviously think, well, this guy has already has the ability to make a serious, a immense amount of money. And so he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not shooting the ball because that check gone clear. That is what I think his mentality has been. Or it ha- It's not broke, so I'm not trying to fix it. Right. Ben Simmons has been an all star in this league without a jump shot. He's been an all NBA performer without a jump shot. So in his mind, I'm guessing he's probably thinking, well, I don't need to do this because I'm still very successful on the court. That's whatever. So um, that's just my like, I feel like he has so much potential, in my opinion. I feel like he is a very, very talented athlete. Like that shit don't grow on trees, bro. Six, ten point guards don't grow on trees, dog. That's. They just don't. You don't see a 6'10 left-handed point guard who plays defense, who gets to the rim, and who passes the ball like Magic Johnson, LeBron James. You don't see that shit, dog. That's not something you see every day. And, you know, but that jump shot, man, you you, got to develop it. So I want to read you guys this article from ESPN about what Ben Simmons want from the Philadelphia 76ers. So the headline for this story reads, Simmons won't report done with 76ers, sources say. In a looming standoff that could have lasting implications for the NBA, Philadelphia 76ers all-star forward Ben Simmons will not report for the opening of training camp next week and intends to never play another game for the franchise, sources told ESPN. Simmons, age 25, wants a trade out of Philadelphia and told management that he has no plan to wear an NBA uniform again until he is moved to a new team, sources say. This is setting up a showdown for the Sixers franchise with championship hopes that will be greatly diminished without Simmons on the floor. Balancing the likely short-term losses with him sidelined against the long-term goals of getting a maximum trade return for Simmons. 
Simmons explained his stance to ownership and management in a late August meeting and has had no direct contact with the organization for weeks. Simmons has a four year has four years and one hundred and forty seven million dollars left on his max contract, including thirty three million dollars for the 2021 season. He also clearly understands the financial implications of sitting out. The Sixers could test Simmons' willingness to stay away by fining him a considerable amount. At Simmons' request, the Sixers have discussed trades throughout the league since the end of the playoffs, but they were disappointed in the offers and decided to hold on to him with the hopes that he would start the season and improve his trade value with his performance. Sixers president of basketball operations Daryl Morey and coach Doc Rivers have told Simmons that they want him for training camp and on the floor to partner with all-NBA center Joel Embiid, something that Simmons has told them he no longer wants to do. Beyond the league's collective bargaining agreement, which provides the ability for the Sixers to withhold salary for a player's failure to provide services, the Sixers have their own set of rules that include fines for missing media day and each missed practice. The final resort for the Sixers could, lead, could be to suspend Simmons for failing to render services once preseason games begin, which could cost Simmons about $227,613 for each missed game. Simmons' contract is structured for him to receive 50% of his salary before October the 1st. Simmons' poor performance in the Eastern Conference semifinal loss to the Atlanta Hawks played a role in this drama playing out, but Simmons has become increasingly frustrated with his partnership with the Sixers over time, sources say. Now, there's been sort of a lot of damage control on the front office side where they had Doc Rivers on a number of shows trying to defend Simmons. And there's been an increasing development of Joel Embiid, the Sixers, in my opinion, best player, being very frank and honest about Ben Simmons. So you got kind of conflicting sets of, of, of opinions. On the management side, which is sort of understandable because if you're a management, you don't want to devalue your asset. If you come out as a manager, as a coach and say, this dude's trash, we want to get rid of him, we hate him, you're not going to get much in return for him, right? If if you say, if you shop at him to Portland and you're trying to get Damian Lillard, the Sixers, I mean, the, the Trailblazers are going to say, well, you guys don't want him anyway. So we're not going to give you Damian Lillard, we'll give you CJ McCollum. <laughs> we could give you uh 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 who's on who else is on the uh the Blazers? We could give you uh Robert Covington. We could give you Yusuf Nurkic, but we're not going to give up Damian Lillard because you guys already want to get rid of this guy. So, for management and for Doc Rivers, yeah, of course you have to say we love him, we want him back. He's a great player. He has an amazing skill set, which is true, but you also don't want to devalue your asset. Joel Embiid has no reason, in my opinion at least, and this is why I'm sort of defending him with saying what he has said. He has no reason to to do all this shit for Ben Simmons, right? Joel Embiid is a very injury prone but very talented player. So I would imagine that he knows he his prime years are fastly are are moving fast, and he wants to win. So if the dude is telling you he don't want to be here. 
he don't have no reason to say, well, let's do everything to bring him back. Well, get rid of him. Get rid of him. I'm going to play you what Joel Embiid had to say about Ben. But, like, Joel is kind of sick of it. He's kind of sick of it. And I don't say, I can't say he's wrong either way. I can't say that management is wrong about how they're trying to handle this situation. But I also can't say that the players on the court are wrong either. And, and the truth of the matter is, Ben cannot be mad at anybody but himself. He is the one who passed up the shots in the, in the major playoff games. He's the one who won't develop a jump shot. He's the one who has the apprehension to shoot. He's the one who has made no real effort to improve a major flaw in his game. Joel Embiid said, I was the worst three-point shooter on the team, and I shot 38%. He won't even shoot the ball. So he's not a victim in this, in my opinion. He's not a victim. He's maybe somebody who has had the benefit of being extremely talented and on the lower level and even into the NBA, the talent has held him up and has helped the team win, but not win big, right? You can win as many regular season games as you want. You could go 82 and 0. But once the playoffs come around and you're playing the best of the best for seven games, your flaws are going to be extremely highlighted. And the, the Atlanta Hawks, who are who who also feature a player with defensive deficiencies like Trey Young, ha, ha, just designed a plan or even not even designed a plan, just let Ben Simmons play his way out of them winning. Like it was sort of sad to watch. Because you look at a player like Giannis, right? Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is not a great free throw shooter, but will go to the line and shoot the ball. Will not be afraid to attack the basket because he's going to get fouled. And they won the championship just because the best player was not to play with no fear. If I go to this free throw line and I shoot an air ball, I'm, when I get the ball again, I'm driving straight to the fucking rim and I don't care if they foul me. I'm going to shoot two more. I'm going to keep shooting and keep shooting and keep shooting and keep working and keep working. That's all that fans want to see. That's all that fans of the NBA want to see. That's all your teammates want to see. That's all your coaches want to see. The fact that you want to try. That, you know, he will go without shoot in the playoffs in the most important time of the season. In game six and game seven against the Atlanta Hawks. He took like a grand total in the in the last two games of like five shots. You got to be willing to shoot the ball. If teams know that you won't shoot and they got Joel Embiid on the floor, then all they're going to do is double team Joel Embiid and leave you open. Then you have no value on the court. You have no value. All the great things that he does, and he does so many great things, is going to be is going to be a moot point when it comes to playoff time. Because if Joel Embiid is getting double teamed and they swing the ball and you're open and you won't shoot it, you have no purpose of st- you have no reason and no purpose of being on the floor. There's no point for you to be on the floor if you will not shoot the ball. There's no point. And so, yeah, sometimes fans go are sometimes fans are very out of line. Sometimes they say things that are very disgusting sometimes they do things that are very disgusting but in this situation in my opinion ben simmons is not a victim here he's not a victim 
oh, well, the, you know how the media does. They try to Im- inflate every little situation. The media is basically just saying you won't shoot. How do you have all these demands? How do you have or how could you potentially waste all the talent you have because you won't work on one very important flaw in your game? How? How? And just why? And to top it off, the fans of the team and the people in the organization just watched a guy who cannot shoot the ball be fearless and win the championship. In my opinion, I think that Ben Simmons needs to suck it the fuck up, needs to understand the criticism that is against him is warranted, and needs to make make real changes on how he plays the game because he does so many things well. It's such a waste of talent, in my opinion. If you could rebound, block shots, play defense, pass the ball, run up and down the floor, all you need to add is one piece of the game and you won't do it. We've all watched these videos of him in the gym shooting jump shots, making them pure, but clearly does not have enough confidence or doesn't care enough to act to put that into the game. How much do you expect Joel Embiid to be patient with that? How much do you expect Philadelphia 76ers fans to be patient with that? How much? Philly fans have gone through a lot. They had to trust the process, right? That got them Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. But is, is it enough to just win regular, regular season games? They were a one seed last year, and they didn't make the finals. As the one seed. So, you know, I want to play you guys what Doc Rivers had to say, because he's trying to save face. And I also want to play you guys what Joel Embiid had to say about the situation. And you're going to see the two varying stances one is a coach and management side saying no we want him back because they don't want to diminish his value and the other is a frustrated star who has to deal with someone who just won't do something to help the team win so here's both here's doc rivers first and joel Embiid second on ben simmons coach i'd be remiss and neglected you know one of the biggest reasons that you're on right now i've got to talk to you about this it's been all over the news ben simmons a star for your team says that he wants out. He no longer wants to be a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. I was told last night he wants to play for anyone but the Philadelphia 76ers. Your response to that, sir? Yeah, we hear it all, Stephen A., and and, and that's fine, but we're not going to give up on that. Uh, You know how I feel about Ben. Me and you have had many arguments over Ben Simmons. I've always defended him. Um, I just love how he plays. I love a lot of the things that he does for our team. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we focus so much on his offense uh, and we don't focus on a lot of the other things he does. Um, you know, ben, Ben's been under a lot of pressure in Philadelphia. We know that. Uh, having said that, uh, we were one game away from the Eastern Finals. Um, last year, no one picked us. No one picked us to be where we were at. Um, and so I look at last year as the first step, not the last step. Uh, but we have to go through all this to, to, to get him back. There's no doubt about that. Coach, did he tell you guys, meet with you guys face-to-face and tell y'all he wanted out? I spoke to somebody yesterday. They said that's exactly what he did. Yeah, I mean, it was a good conversation. Um, and, he, and he gave his reasons, which we obviously didn't agree with. Um, but, you know, Stephen, I, I think in sports, and you've been around it a lot, um, 
there's been so many times that this has happened that hasn't been reported and the guy comes back. So listen, we're going to go through it. Um, we're going to always do what's best for the team. Uh, but I can tell you up front, we would love to get Ben back. And if we can, we're going to try to do that. You know, Ben has a long contract. So it's, it's, no, it's in our hands and, and we want him back. There was a level of frustration, I know for a fact, that he was feeling long before Doc Rivers ever arrived in Philadelphia. When yeah. he was playing here under Brett Brown, he was, uh, he was, he was, he just didn't like a lot of things that were going on. Obviously, you came there and there was a hope for change. But in the aftermath of the, of the loss to the Atlanta Hawks in Game 7, you were on the record saying at that particular moment in time that you didn't know whether or not he was the point guard of the future for a championship franchise. Joel Embiid was on the record, you know, questioning the play where he passed up the dunk and gave the ball, uh, you know, to Dybul, that that played a big yeah, role. Yeah, but I, I want to cor correct please that. Do. Please do. Please yeah, I please want to correct that because I, I would love you guys to play what I said. Mm -hmm. uh, because, and I've told you this before, Stephen A., never said what was reported. The question was asked about Ben. It was the first question after we just lost the game seven. My answer was, I'm not answering any of that stuff right now, guys. I don't even know how to answer that. That had nothing to do was about Ben. I was basically saying, I'm not answering that crap, those questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what disappointed me, and I don't, you know, I don't do this media thing very right. often. You never see me do that. Right. Um, it was being portrayed that I was out there saying, I don't think we can win with Ben. And I do. I, I told Ben that the next day. Um, what, what really disappointed me was the next day I went on and said, guys, I knew exactly what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And no one heard it. They just kept running their narrative. So, you know, I've been in sports a long time and, and I'm not misrepresented very often. But in that case, I was. Uh, but it is what it is. Now, Doc Rivers, you know, he did what he had to do. Listen, my comments were taken out of context. You guys know what I was trying to say. I love Ben. I want him back. He's a great player. Blah, blah, blah. He's doing what he has to do. He's the coach of the team. I mean, he's speaking for the organization. If the organization does want to move him, the last thing that you want is the coach and the GM or any other high ranking people in the organization shitting on the player because that diminishes his value it just don't make sense if you got a car that you're trying to sell you're not going to go out and say man this car is such a piece of shit oh man i hate this car this car is the worst car i've ever driven in my life because you won't make no money from it it's just that's just smart to do but now i want to play you guys joel Embiid. joel Embiid don't have no reason to to, to sugarcoat things for him. Joel Embiid is trying to win games. Joel Embiid is a player who has missed significant amounts of time due to injury. He knows that his window of playing high-level basketball and contending for a chip is short. Listen to what Joel Embiid has to say about the Ben Simmons situation, and it's a completely different tone than what Doc Rivers' stance is. Joel Embiid kept it 1,000 with y'all. He does not thrilled about this situation. This is Joel Embiid on Ben Simmons. Um, I saw it. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I I don't know if it came from him or whatever. But you know, over the you know past few months, stuff I've been putting out, I've been put out there and looking by, um, you know, the reaction of him not being here. 
Uh, I feel like it's fair to assume that it's coming, you know, from uh, whether it's his agent or his people or whatever. Uh, like I said, it is disappointing, but I feel like, you know, over the years, um, the way team, our team has been built around, like you look at last year, you got the whole starting lineup shot. I was the world's uh, three-point shooter of the starting lineup, and I shot 38% from three. Uh, we, we've always had shooters, and I feel like I can really play with anybody, and I can make, you know, anybody, you know, uh, be better on the court. Uh, but I don't necessarily need shooters, but I feel like over the years, you know, you look at, you know, when we saw out, it's because we needed a stretch foul, uh, just to make sure that, you know, that was for home. And I, you know, most of my career, I've had to kind of, you know, step out to the three-point line for to be, which I don't mind, you know, I like to be, uh, you know, a basketball player. I like to do everything on the on the basketball court, but I feel like our teams have been built, whether it's the shooting needed, the stretch farm and all that stuff, I feel like he's always had it uh, here. And we still have it. You guys set, you know, like I said, one of the best three-point shooters ever, Danny Green. Tobias is a 40% three-point shooter. Fuck, I'm coming off the bench. My time shape. I think he can be a better shooter, but, you know, he can get hot. Uh, we just had a job. So I feel like, you know, teams all, uh, our teams have always been built around these needs. Uh, so it was kind of surprising to see, you know, what we say that even going back to, uh, I mean, the reason we signed out is, you know, we got rid of Jimmy, which I still think it was a mistake, uh, just to make sure that, you know, we, he, he, won, he needed the ball in his hands and, you know, that's the decision they made. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like I said, it, it is surprising. Uh, but I'm really focused on the guys that are here. Uh, you know, uh, the situation is, is weird, disappointing, uh, borderline kind of disrespectful to all the guys that are out here, you know, fighting for their lives. Uh, you know, some guys rely on you know, the team to be successful, to stay in the league and make money uh, somehow. Uh, because if you're on a winning team, you're always going to have a spot in the league just because you want a winning team and you contribute. So, uh, you know, obviously we're a better team with them. Uh, uh, we, we're not a better team without them, that's for sure. We are a better team with them. Uh, but like I said, uh, it ain't surprising, but I'm focused on the guys that are here. Uh, we're trying to get better. Uh, trying to get on the, you know, same agenda. Uh, we know what we got to do, and every single day we got to attack it. You know, as we're trying to get better every single day. Uh, but you know, we are a better team without uh, with them. Uh, so that, that's you know, uh, there's no question about it. Uh, so, but we still hope that you know he changes his mind. But you know. Uh, you know, we, uh, I kind of owe to this guy to just, you know, worry about what we have here, uh, why these other guys, what, that's the fun of his job, uh, to kind of figure it out, you know, what's going to happen. That's not my job. I'm not the GM. I'm not the owner. So that's none of my business, honestly. So you can see the difference. Like, 
Joel is saying the team has always been modeled around Ben's needs. I don't understand how he could say something like that. I don't understand how he can feel this way when we have always made things that make him more comfortable. We had Al Horford here, who's a stretch five. So that way he don't have another big man in the lane. We got rid of Jimmy Butler, which was a mistake in his opinion. And Jimmy Butler leaves Philadelphia, goes to Miami Heat. First season, they make the NBA Finals. You could see where he was coming from. He's saying that, you know, the team is better with him, but he doesn't understand how he could look at how Ben could see the situation and say, I don't want to be involved with it when the team has made numerous sacrifices and accommodations for him. Joel Embiid is not incorrect. I saw a lot of sports pundits and stuff, you know, saying how could he say that or his comments were terrible and blah, blah, blah. But at what point of a player who knows that his career or his prime in his career is coming to an end, he needs to win now. He wants to win now. He has a player who's super talented but won't work on his game, has had a team that has made number a number of adjustments and changes to make him feel more comfortable. How can you expect him to look at this situation and be happy about it? It don't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. The team has done everything to try to make this work. And in doing that, they've gotten rid of some good players. Some players that Joel Embiid sees as assets to the team that they should not have. And and then after we do all of that, you have one of the worst performances in the playoffs. And then you claim that you want to go after all we've done and what you have not done. I completely understand where the guy's coming from. I 100% understand where Joel Embiid is coming from. And he also made sure to say, we're not a better team without him. We need him on the team. The team does not improve without him. Now, if they can get Damian Lillard, I'm sure his stance will change. <laughs> if they could get Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, I'm sure that stance will change. But even though they won't, um, they'll the Warriors will never give up Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. But... The point is, like, Joel Embiid is speaking reality. I think that has been a situation where because of what Ben Simmons could do or because of the level of talent he did have, numerous coaches were willing to look the other way. I don't want to compare him to R. Kelly in that way, but in that way, like, we're willing to look the other way because of what you can do. Joel Embiid is saying, listen, we have not ever been in a time where we did not try to make you comfortable. We have not ever been in a situation where we did not try to make things easier for you. When, where, how can you say things like that? I believe that is disrespectful. And I agree wholeheartedly with Joel Embiid. It's very harsh thing to say. And the media is going to play it over and over again. I'm sure Ben Simmons is not happy with the comments. But it's the truth of the matter. Fam, how much things do you want me to do for you? How much more sacrifices do you want the team to make for you? Joel Embiid should be implanted in the paint like Shaq was back in the day. There's no reason for seven foot two big ass Joel Embiid to be on the perimeter shooting threes. He can. He's a very talented player in that respect. But he deserves to be on that block commanding the post. He can't do that with Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons won't shoot the ball. I don't see anything wrong with the comments he said. It's actually pretty refreshing honesty. It's really refreshing 
Because it's like, fam, come on, dog. Don't try to make it seem like you're a victim here. You've been given every opportunity to succeed. What you have not done is given the dedication to the team and to your craft. And that's, I completely agree with Joel on this and this perspective. I think that Ben Simmons has the opportunity to be one of the greatest players in the game. But if you don't want, if you don't, if you don't want to, then it will never happen for you. And he's going to be able to get by on everything that he can do on the court. He he will. He will. He will. He has already got a max deal, big, big money, and he has some accolades in the NBA. But when you want to win a chip and when you want to be considered as one of the greatest to ever do it, there's more work than you have to do. That <laughs> If you ever pay attention to Kobe, the Mamba mentality, good is not good enough. We have to get better. We always have to work on our craft. We always have to work on our game. Ben Simmons, clearly, in my opinion, is someone who is very happy with what he can do now and has no desire to get better. And is very seems very sensitive to criticism, even though the team that he's on has done nothing but accommodate him. That's my opinion. And I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know what team is going to really want him. Obviously, you don't want to go from a situation where you're a top team in one conference and end up on a team that is a, a, a certified losing team. You don't want to go from the Philadelphia 76ers to, let's say, the Washington Wizards, right? You, or a team who is who has routinely underachieved you don't want to go from a situation like philadelphia to maybe the sacramento kings a team who has underachieved but at the same time it's like bro what part do you play in this what what responsibility do you have and i believe that ben simmons has not done himself justice forget the team forget the league forget us as fans you cannot have all that talent and not try to maximize it to your best ability, in my opinion. And so I don't know what's going to happen with the situation, but I think that it's not good. And I don't think that Ben Simmons is making himself look good. In a situation like James Harden forcing himself out the team, you never question whether or not James Harden wants to be a baller. Right? That's just an example of a player who forced himself out. With Carmelo Anthony forced himself to the Knicks. You never thought that Carmelo Anthony didn't want to play his best basketball, right? I'm just, again, bringing up examples of players who have forced themselves out of situations. This is a situation where Ben Simmons has never been criticized for his game, has always believed that his good is good enough, never wanted to get better, and now he's on a situation where the team, whether they will admit it or not, is tired of it. And at least the best player is. Joel Embiid, at least he is. He's tired of it. So we'll see what happens with it. It's something to keep your eye on. It's a very interesting story. But the bottom line is, if you have a chance to be one of the best players in the game and you don't want to be, it's it's a referendum on you. It's nobody else's fault but yours. And that's all I got on it. We'll see what happens with Ben in the future. And lastly, let's get into our NFL predictions. So I had a very, 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 very good week last week. I'm, I think I got my swagger back. I think I got it now. Last week on picks, I went 11 and 5. I don't have any major gripes. 
maybe the New York Giants losing to the Falcons. But other than that, I'm pretty happy with how all the games went. I did a pretty dang good job um, about, uh, about the picks, and I'm looking forward to increasing my win totals. So let's break down this week's slate of games. I'm off to a good start. I got the Thursday night football game correct. I picked the, ja- the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Joe Burrow is looking like the man. He's a very good player. I, I like watching him play. It sucks, too, because Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow play in the AFC North, which is where my Steelers play. And they're two very, very good players. But I can't really like them like that because they're in my division. Anyway, let's bypass that. Let's go through the slate of games. First game, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Green Bay Packers. Oh, my goodness. We need to spend a few seconds on the Steelers here. So last week, they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, 24-10. Very, very, very poor showing by the team. Ben Roethlisberger does not look great at all. The offense does not look great at all. They cannot run the football. The offensive line is poor. The defense is getting bludgeoned. I don't really know what to say. Um, Again, I will ask the question that Stephen A. Smith and Marcus Spears asked two weeks ago. Why have the Steelers not picked up the phone and called Cam Newton? I don't know. Um, If it's a situation where the Steelers just want to give Ben this last ride, I understand it. Ben is a two-time Super Bowl champion, multiple-time Pro Bowler, has almost every Steelers record in terms of QB play. I understand if you guys want to give him the final season. But if the objective is to win games, and if you ask Mike Tomlin, who is the coach of the Steelers, he will say, we want to win games. I don't think that Ben Roethlisberger being the starting quarterback was going to be be uh, conducive to winning games. I just don't see it that way. I, I mean, I love the guy. The brother has won two Super Bowls for my favorite team, and we have been to three. It's just right now, it does not seem like the team is built with him under center to win. The offensive line is not good. They cannot run the football. They cannot control the clock. Ben cannot throw the ball deep. And it's 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 not looking good. It's not looking good. And it doesn't get easier. They're playing the Green Bay Packers right now. They have to go to Lambeau to play. Um, you know, this is probably one of the only times that I'm not going to pick the Steelers to win this season. Or maybe it may be more times based on maybe what they do or what they decide is going to be the future of the team. Maybe it's time to go to go to Dwayne Haskins if you do not want to put if you do not want to pay for Cam Newton. I don't know. I just know that Mike Tomlin is a very prideful coach. Um, And this is a very prideful organization. One that I have been, you know, super proud to be a fan of for a long time because they are consistent winners. Uh, This is just a situation where, you know, it's not looking great. That's all I can say really at this time. It's not looking great. I don't know what will be the future. I don't know what the future holds, but for sure this is going to be. His last season, I I don't question that whatsoever. And if the team wants to give Ben just this last year, just to, you know, give it to him because of what he's done, maybe that needs to be said in one way or the other. But if you are on the side of you want to win football games, having him under center is not conducive to doing that. So with all that being said, I will choose the Green Bay Packers to win this game. Aaron Rodgers played extremely well last week against the San Francisco 49ers, a game I accurately picked because I knew, I knew he would. 
the, the San Francisco 49ers thought they won the game, but they left that boy Aaron Rodgers too much time. 37 seconds is all that boy needed, and they won that game. That was a great game. So I will choose the Green Bay Packers to win this game. Next game, New York Giants and the New Orleans Saints. I will choose the New Orleans Saints to win. The New York Giants, I don't know, man. That game last week was terrible, in my opinion. Daniel Jones is not the quarterback for that team. Daniel Jones is not the quarterback for that team. You have Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Kadarius Toney, and Saquon Barkley, and you could only score 14 points. It's, it, Daniel Jones is not the answer. So whether that means they need to make a trade, whether that means they need to readdress it in the draft this season, or whether that means Dave Gettleman needs to get the fuck out of there, the New York Giants have, have not done justice to the team. And Daniel Jones is the only reason I blame. I think that Joe Judge is a pretty good coach. I think that their defense is pretty good. I think that their offense has a plethora of weapons, but the quarterback is not the right one for the job. So I will take the New Orleans Saints to win this game. Next game, Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. I will choose the Kansas City Chiefs. They have lost two games in a row. The heat is on. And whenever great teams lose on big stages, they come back next week and bludgeon their opponents. And I expect them to do that to the Eagles. I can foresee the Chiefs trying to score 50 on the Eagles. I can see it happening. So, and the Eagles let me down too. I bet them... <laughs> I didn't bet, but I said that they were going to beat the Cowboys, and they did not do that. So I got the Kansas City Chiefs in a pretty easy win against the Philadelphia Eagles. Next game, Houston Texans and the Buffalo Bills. That's easy for me. I got the Buffalo Bills. Next game, Carolina Panthers and the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I think that this is going to be a good game. They're both teams that are pretty dang good. I bet against I bet against the Cowboys last week. I will not do it again. I think that the Cowboys will win this game, and they're at home. So I will take the Cowboys to win that game. Next game, Minnesota Vikings and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, dang, I don't know. I could see this going either way. Jarvis Landry is hurt for the Cleveland Browns, but they still got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns to win that game against the Minnesota Vikings. Next game, Indianapolis Colts and the Miami Dolphins. Wow, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Carson Wentz is not playing well. He's pretty banged up right now. And the Dolphins are playing Jacoby Brissett. I don't know if Tua Tugavailoa is going to be healthy enough to play. He sustained a rib injury two weeks ago. <sighs> I don't know, man. Um... I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts to win. I'm going to take the Colts to win. This will be a great game for their confidence. They need to do something to justify trading for Carson Wentz. Hopefully this week they can get it done in Miami. Next game, Tennessee Titans and the New York Jets. I got the Tennessee Titans. That's pretty easy for me. Next game, Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. Okay, and I need to spend a few minutes on this. The coach of the Chicago Bears, his name is Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy needs to be fired for the way that they had that game plan last week against the Cleveland Browns. That is a fireable offense. I don't know what Matt Nagy is on. I don't know what is on his mind. I don't know what he thought about. 
I don't know what he thought that game was going to be. He clearly did not have a good game plan for Justin Fields. In my opinion, he set Justin Fields up to fail because he wanted to justify having Andy Dalton as the starter. He did not put in a game plan conducive to Justin Fields' success. And in my opinion, he hung that young man out to dry. And he wanted that result for that game to try to prove that he knew that Andy Dalton was better. We have seen teams change their entire game plans to fit the skill sets of particular players. The San Francisco 49ers did it with Colin Kaepernick. They went to the Super Bowl. The Baltimore Ravens did it with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson won MVP. This is not something that is strange to do. This is not something that is out of the realm of possibility. If you have a young, dynamic athlete, you create a game plan conducive to his success. That and the Chicago Bears did not do that whatsoever. I believe that Matt Nagy deserves to be fired for that performance. It was absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. If he survives this season, clearly he has some blackmail against the owner or the GM of that franchise. Because you cannot tell me that players, seeing after seeing that performance and that game plan that was set up by him and that coaching staff, that they are going to be giving him 110% because he did not give them that. You cannot have a player as dynamic as Justin Fields and not put him in a situation to succeed. You did the same thing with Mitchell Trubisky. And Mitchell Trubisky is not half of the athlete that Justin Fields is. How you have no design quarterback runs, how you have no read options, how you have no RPOs, how you have nothing treating him, Justin Fields, like he's Andy Dalton. Seven-step dropbacks under a, uh, under a suspect offensive line? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Matt Nagy needs to be fired. I hope that they fire him before the season progresses because if he stays there as the head coach, he will do nothing for Justin Fields other than make him worse. And if Justin Fields is the future of your team, you need to have people in there who believe in him and who want to see him succeed. And I do not believe that Matt Nagy did that whatsoever. I believe that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, the GM of the Chicago Bears, need to be fired. They need to be fired after that performance from last week. And with all that being said, I'm going to take the Detroit Lions to win this game. The Detroit Lions had one of the worst losses that you could think of. Justin Tucker, the kicker of the Baltimore Ravens, hit an NFL record 66-yard field goal at the end of the game to win. And the Lions lost. But the Lions are playing spirited football. They're playing. They're, not, they're obviously not the best team, but they're playing with a lot of effort and with a lot of heart. They're playing hard for their coach, and I want to see them get a win. So I will take the Detroit Lions to win this game. I think it's shameful, shameful what the Chicago Bears head coach and GM and front office and whoever else is complicit has done to Justin Fields so far. I think it's shameful. I think it's shameful, and I think that Matt Nagy deserves to be fired. Enough. I need to go on to the next game. Next game is the Washington football team and the Atlanta Falcons. Wow, that's another one I don't know. The Washington football team, I thought their defense would be a lot better. Full disclosure, I took their defense in fantasy and I immediately dropped them. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I thought their defense would be a lot better, and it's not proved to be that way. Huh. Dang, I don't know who's going to win this game. I'm going to take... But the Falcons' defense is really bad, too. I, I'm going to roll with Washington. I think that Washington is going to pull this off against the Falcons. I'll take Washington to win. Next game, L.A. Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, another game I was right on the money with last week. I knew that the L.A. Rams would beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I knew it. I just, I just had that feeling. They unleashed on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Arizona Cardinals is a very formidable task, but I think that the LA Rams defense is good enough to, to quell Kyler Murray a bit, even though he's off to a very, very good start. I think that the LA Rams defense is good enough to, to slow down Kyler Murray a little bit, and I think their offense is very good enough to keep up with the Cardinals. So I will take the LA Rams to win that game. Next game, Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. Very tough loss for the 49ers last week. But when you leave Aaron Rodgers enough time to, to kill you, he will. Aaron Rodgers is a killer. Bounce, looking another tough test at home against the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks are coming off a loss as well, I believe. Did, yeah, they lost to the Minnesota Vikings. Dang, I don't know. It's another tough game. I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks to win this game. Uh, the, the, the 49ers have a lot of injuries. Yeah, I don't feel very confident about it, but I will take the Seattle Seahawks to win. Next game, Baltimore Ravens and the Denver Broncos. The Baltimore Ravens escaped that game by the skin of their teeth. I'm not loving how their offense is looking so far. Again, they have sustained a lot of injuries as well. And the Denver Broncos are off to a very, very good start. Teddy Bridgewater seems to be the right quarterback for the team. Um, so I will take the Denver Broncos to win this game. I'm, I'm confident in the, the Broncos' ability to win. I think that they'll do enough to win. It might be a little ugly game, but I think that Denver will do enough to win. This is going to be the game of the week. Next game. The next game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, returning to the New England Patriots, the team that he won six Super Bowl championships with. In a game that is going to be full of emotion, full of everything. And I think that Bill Belichick is a prideful coach. And I think he will throw the kitchen sink at Tom Brady. But I really believe that Tom Brady is going to go into Foxborough. And they are going to put the smack down on the New England Patriots. I can see this game being a overtime thriller. Or I could see it being a Tampa Bay blowout. Regardless, I think that Tampa Bay is going to win this game. I think that the team is going to rally around Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback ever. And I think that they want to rise to the occasion because they want to win this game for Tom. I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win this game. And I can easily see it being a blowout win. Or I could easily see it being a comeback, you know, beautiful victory. Like sort of like uh, Aaron Rodgers last week winning and at the last minute or winning in overtime but regardless i think that the tampa bay buccaneers will win this game and the monday night football game is the las vegas raiders and the la chargers <sighs> the chargers had a very good win last week i'm gonna take the las vegas raiders to win that game i think that they'll do enough to win even though the chargers are at home i think that i think that the raiders will do enough to win that game 
and the Thursday night football game to get a head start on next week is the LA Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. And I will take the LA Rams to win that game. So let's see how we do this week. Uh, I'm off to a very pretty good start. 10 and 6 week 2 and 11 and 5 week 3. Let's see if I can keep my winning ways going. Hopefully I can get 12 wins this week. Let's hope. And I must say it and I'll say it and I'll say it again. If you are a betting person out there, please do not take what I have to say about football super, super literally. I'm just a dude from the Bronx who likes watching the NFL. And if you are going to bet money with what I say about football, we are both under the understanding that you did that under your own risk. Thank you. Let's see how we do for week number four of the NFL season. And that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number 75 of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. I'm your host once again. My name is Denzel. I want to say thank you again to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaging with me on the social media platforms. I truly, truly appreciate you guys' love and support. Please do not forget, your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. Again, I'm an independent potter from the BXMY. Supporting the merch is a great, great way to keep the podcast going the way that it is. Um, You know, I I don't have no sponsorships and no deals as of yet. So just supporting the merch is a great way just to keep everything afloat, just to keep things running the way that they are and to help me out. I would really appreciate it. Again, I understand everyone's financial situations are different. I'm only asking for the support if you can. And I sincerely, sincerely, sincerely appreciate every single person who has gone out and supported the merchandise. I really, truly appreciate you guys. And I'm going to fade you guys out with a great, great, great song today. And it is called Easy Bake by J-Rock featuring Kendrick Lamar and SZA off of the album 90059 and this has been the bronx bias podcast episode 75 have a great week have a great weekend out there be safe and i will speak to you guys next week we are out this shit is fresh up up fresh up up I'm back in this bitch Nigga, you know what's up Stacking my dividends Straight out that gutter So you know just what you dealing with Highly belligerent But that's way before the liquor hits Roll that cushy cushy Rub on her goody goodies Crush her so good She all on my timeline now Look at looking She trying to sabotage my thing Never go crazy when you deep inside the pink I'm low-key like a drug dealer so don't snitch, my nigga. Get your chips, my nigga. Mind your business. I'm on mine. Let's get rich, my nigga. Take our family on trips, my nigga. But if you try me, then your wig, I'ma split, my nigga. And I ain't tryna kill my own kind. But we always losing to the wrong place at the wrong time. No lie. And they wonder why us niggas always get high. Spend a thou while on it just to get fly. Another thou while on it just to get by. Fuck it. Only got one life to live. Gotta push it to the limit. Fresh out the oven Whip game cold, man, this shit about to blow Big bank Rosie, the hater, the love it If anything goes, just as long as you dug it Just as long as you dug it Yeah, it's fresh out the oven 
Whip game cold, man, this shit about the boat. Big bank rolls, either hate it or love it. If anything goes, just as long as you dug it. Just as long as you dug it. Full of merchandise, this my new plan, this my new wave, this my new tan This my summer days in the tropic by the cool sand This my shaking down you niggas pockets, I don't do friends And I don't do trends Fuck it though, I ride with you then, bring the troops in I fuck around and let them loose then We'll give them blues then oh, Fuck it, call me Bobby Blue Blaine Hey, you a fool, man body swerving at the intersection, baby, come and get your blessing Hey, she gon' fuck with this erection I got some good for all these hoes She gotta walk the blade for I call these hoes Now if I pay for your dress in the perm That means you an investment, bitch I'ma need my door in return We reporting live from the 90059 With my nigga J-Rock And this is WTOP Radio And I'm your host, DJ Turnup I don't turn down nothing from the collar I ain't turning down no money And I ain't turning down no motherfucking face That bitch, if you're pushing up the street With your orangutan looking ass Take some advice And bang says you your flat foot bitch Itching for a climax Last in past 11, 32 You got it like that You really got it like that Itching for a purpose, I can't seem to scratch the surface. I ain't got it like that. Do I really got it like that? You keep talking about time, I got none. You can find me with the sun, don't never end, and the waves don't part. You don't pay enough for my rent, don't start. I got big dreams, you got quick scheme to get rich quickly. And I don't wanna waste another hour. Really need to take another shower. Now this that big shell, fish scale, BMX on the ramp with the fish tail, pegs on the front, we gon' get there, we 4D, better swap me, don't need a fifth wheel, this big steel, whoever, if situations get real, this that, fresh out the bounty, busting knuckles, get buckled if you ever try to knock the hustle. Show your hands, watch how I shuffle no Show you why they hate more niggas than Uncle Ruckus Rolling up that boondock, some call it moon rock Gotta keep that bass in my step, dope in a tube shot Gotta do what I do to remain on So all a nigga need is good love when I come home Cause the baby's gotta eat, baby The rent's been due lately And I just caught a hot one I ain't tryna go too crazy Food gazy, not me Me and my niggas not sweet Give you thug passion How you walk around, not need I'm the silver bullet Moving at top speed Show you how to get it And get away with it, Scott Freaks